Welcome everybody out there to Raising Cane's episode 11 with my good friend Denise. Say hi, Denise. Hi, David. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, and the Chinese food was great. I feel so full right now. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about kids and education. Start yeah. us off. Well, first of all, it's very close to my heart. I put two kids through public school in a rather diverse uh, neighborhood. We had a spectrum of lower income people to very high income people. And I found that there was a lot of um, disparity. I felt that there was a lot of, um, how should I say, and be politically correct, which is so important nowadays. It catered to a certain group of people. Mm. And I take issue with that in a public school. As opposed to? In a private school, you know, perhaps maybe if you're donating more, I think in theory, the, f the focus should be on getting the kids through the system. All kids should be able to be moved along. Do all kids necessarily move along at the same pace? No, but I don't believe that an entire organization or an entire school should just cater to a small group of kids. It is my opinion that you need to cater to the masses of your population. <laughs> Do you not want to ask me a question, David? Well, I can definitely edit that out. Oh, wow. <laughs> so let's talk about mandatory school kindergarten through 12th grades. Yes. And maybe having a penalty. I think that our school system, public and private, are too lax and lenient on students where they can just drop out at any, you know, this emancipation crap that they do and and they don't see the big picture where they eventually have to go back and get their GED. Take it for granted, there are some times where no one need, someone doesn't need education, but 99.9% .9 of the time, you at least need a high school diploma. I agree. Um, I know that we have a tendency of always trying to compare ourselves to other countries, whether it be Denmark or Germany or Canada or whatever. Um, what I will say in speaking to the American system versus, let's say, the German, where I've also grown up and have family, is you have two choices. Everybody starts from kindergarten to about ninth grade on the same path. And then at that point, which you typically puts you around the age of 14, you choose to either go for a vocation or trade, or you go into a preparatory program that prepares you for the university. You do not have an option of doing nothing. And I agree with that. Well, that could segue into something else that, that not everybody is made for college. That is true. I, I've got two that went to college and went and didn't go to college, and I recognized early that he wasn't college material. Mm -hmm. Maybe he can do college later. Maybe he can do college later in his life, whatever. As parents, I think, and that's where education starts. They think education starts with this teacher, but it starts at home. Exactly. And it's a whole lot of failure with that, where parents suck. Well, I, I think that takes us then to another podcast session dealing with parents' involvement. You know, you have a lot of single parents, divorced parents. You know, the family unit might not be as sound as it once was. And I think because of that, the children should not allow to be able to make a decision for themselves by not going to school. I do believe that there should be a penalty involved. I'm not sure what that is. I would need to think about that a bit more, but you need to go and graduate from high school, period. You know, we talked about earlier maybe making the parents, uh, making the penalty involve the parents somehow. Because what happens is, if nine times out of ten, those kids don't graduate and they become 
not wars of the state, but they become property of the state, and they become in the state system, either through food stamps or WIC or uh, penitentiary, uh, drugs, jail. It doesn't turn out good all the time. It probably doesn't turn out good most of the time, you know. Um there's something wrong with our society if a child thinks he or she will do better off by standing at the street corner selling drugs than finishing their education. Then if they want to go sell drugs, well, then who's going to stop them? The point is, is that I see it as a becoming a vicious circle. You know, on one hand, we say, you know, we have all these unemployed teenagers and they can't do this and they can't do that. Well, that would be less of a problem if they were able to get themselves through school. Then working at possibly at McDonald's would not be interpreted as being their career, and therefore their minimum wage is not enough money. It should be just a stepping stone to something else. And I think we also have a problem in this country, and I think it's more prevalent in the last few years, where you t- it, it tends to be an elitist outlook that if you don't go to university, therefore you must be something less if you've learned a trade. And I think that that's a problem in our society. There's a real value in being a master electrician or plumber, and they, and they do very well for themselves. God, some of those guys make good money. Absolutely. So having a skill so that you can take care of yourself is what should be our goal as a society and as a family. Because I also know that people that have, that have gone to college and graduated college, they don't have jobs in their field. Exactly, which then takes us yep. to excessive student loans. Yep. So why would you go to a university for four years and debt yourself for, let's say, an English major, which would be good if you become maybe a journalist or a school teacher, but then you decide you want to become a barista instead, then you would have been better off to have not spent that money for university and perhaps and gone for a trade. But you'll be able to spell people's names right when you write them on the cup. That's true. But if you had gone first through 12th, you would have been able to have done that anyhow. I don't know. There's a couple of names that would have been hard. (laughs) And then we talk about teaching to the masses and not to the specific needs of the talented and gifted, where the talented and gifted can fall through the cracks because they just have one teaching style some of the time. Well, my take on this, let me give you a good example. My son was a freshman in high school, comes home with a worksheet, and I noticed that he hadn't finished his last paragraph. And I asked him, I said, what's going on here? You need to finish your worksheet. And he goes, oh, no, that's not for me. That's for the talented and gifted. I've done my part. And so I looked at the paragraph, and, of course, then the next day I made an appointment, met with the teacher, and I says, I don't understand. Shouldn't my son also know where a period and a comma goes? Only the talented and gifted? Because that's how it looks from the sheet that you had given out in class. And so he was kind of taken back by that. And I think to myself, again, if you have out of a population of, say, 700 kids or 1,000 kids, and you have maybe 50 that are talented and gifted, I think you need to either have their parents become more actively involved or perhaps send them to private school or perhaps do something else to enrich their programs. But you don't let the other 650 go by the wayside. So they can't suffer because of them. Exactly. You've got to be able to teach both sides of the coin. Exactly. Man. I told you it was very near and dear to my heart. There you go. And I think a lot of it, too, is um, part of our generation. I'm part of the baby boomer generation, and I think my people use their kids as an extension of their assets. You know, they go around, they brag about how smart their kids are. And I'm not saying that you don't want to be proud as a parent. I'm just saying is that 
I've, we've spent so much time stroking these kids so that they don't get hurt and that they feel good about themselves. And we have a higher suicidal rate with kids nowadays in this generation than we ever had before. And they have more available to them. I don't get it. I would like for somebody to explain it to me, please. Yeah, yeah the suicide rate in El Paso County is one of the highest in the country, I think. And it's more so not just military. I think, I think it's also more with uh, students. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the fuels of suicide is social media. I social agree. media is huge in that respect where it almost becomes a, uh, I don't want to say fad. When it happens so fast, people learn about it so fast. You, you know, sure. there's no, there's no lacks in news. There's like instant. Everything is instant gratification. Yep. I saw the other day there was a video. On Facebook, haha. And it was a British guy who was talking about the millennials and, of course, how we contributed also to it as parents. Um, that again, instant gratification, and that we've, we're bringing up a generation of young people who, if they don't have their technology in front of them, they are not emotionally involved with anybody who's around them. They struggle to make conversation or to stay focused on anything other. You have better conversations texting to each other. and Standing you can be, right next to each exactly. other. Exactly. Yeah, you know, you can go to any spot in America now. You can see a kid or a teenager or, or even young adult just head down, look at their phone, head down, look at their phone. You know, and that also lends itself to lack of customer service. Exactly. You know, less interaction between you and me. Me and a kid, you know, there should be times where we should have days where there's no electronics. Exactly. That's so cool. Oh, my God. I don't know how we would get through that day. I know. We, <laughs> we, we can hear from our president. Yeah. That'd be. Mm. Thank you, David. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oops. Well, but but it's true. I mean, there's positive and, and negatives to everything. I think the question is, is balance. I, I still strive for that. I think it's important to be able to um, say to your children or say to your partner or whatever, excuse me, we're, we're having dinner. Just turn the phone off for that 15, 20 minutes. You know, none of us have a, a, a life that that's important to where you can't get through 15 or 20 minutes Even with someone. Even though they think they do. Exactly. Yeah. Their perception is their reality. I would hate to have little kids nowadays. And you people out there with little kids, I do appreciate you. <laughs> but I just don't want any little kids right now. I've done my my uh, due diligence. There we go. Let's talk about Secretary of Education nominee. All right, go for it, Can David. Can a Secretary of Education nominee be non-affiliated with public schools? That's a very good question. When there's a ton of public schools and the public school system doesn't work and need to fix it and and she's a big voucher person, what are we going to do with that? Now, vouchers have been around for a while before she got on board, and there's pros and cons to it. I don't know. I personally think the problem to our public schools is that if we actually paid teachers what they were worth, we wouldn't need a union for them, and then we could actually have kids go to college to want to become a teacher because they know that they could have a job, a profession, where that they could actually 
sustain themselves from. So teaching you know? would perpetuate itself. Exactly, like on anything else. And, you know, and, and in every industry and in every profession, you're going to have people who excel and people who don't. And those people who don't, then they get weeded out. You don't just keep them along until they become tenure. I mean, kind of like the post office. Exactly. <laughs> and we see how aggressive they are. But, like, for example, my daughter, when she was in high school, she was taking trigonometry. And she was struggling with it, and I went and I had a parent-teacher conference, and he says, you know, well, sometimes I, I just get, you know, taken away, and I have to look answers up, and I'm thinking, my God, you're the teacher, and you have to look on the answer key? I kid you not, David. This was a teacher that my daughter had, and he had to go back <coughs> and look up some of the answers, and I'm thinking, man, I don't do math, but I could do better than this, you know? So I think if you want quality then you also have to be willing to pay for it, but you have to work yourself up to also get those benefits. There should be incentives so for you to move forward. standards and incentives. Exactly. And I think that's probably our biggest key. And of course, so if we're not paying teachers well, who wants to go to a place where the socioeconomic environment is, is questionable, you know? Who, who wants to do that? And also, there needs to be some type of... Uh Check and balance as in terms of students. You know, if a kid acts up, then there's a consequence. There's not a, well, you know, Johnny has this going on, this going on at home. We just need to stay on the straight and narrow, and all the consequences are straight across the board for right. all schools, all systems. We should have a standard, exactly. Yeah. So it they need to revamp that and, and see what happens with that. So, And I think the other thing that they need to do in schools as well is when children get in trouble and they get in trouble with their private students or public students is instead of um, giving them suspensions and, and sending them out of the school environment, you need to keep them in school and punish them by privileges of whether it be games or whatever. And they still go to class in a room where everybody else has got suspended. You don't send them home where their parents are both working so they can hang out at 7-Eleven or at the mall. They're still in school. You don't want to punish them by taking their education away. Mm -hmm. You want to punish them for whatever it is that they've done. The things that they like. Exactly. So you bring them in school. They're separated. They can hang out with their friends in that eight-hour day, and they still get their work done. In school suspension. Exactly. They need a lot more of that. Yep. You know, but if you're so politically correct and you're afraid to say this and you're afraid to do that, and, you know, and I think it's sad because the parents are ruling and half of them don't even know what they're doing, you know? And I know a lot of parents, I know a couple of parents that will that will believe their kid before they believe the teacher. Right. You know, the teacher has no credibility. You exactly. Know? And if you keep getting beat up like that, why would you stay? Exactly. Something like that. You know, so the parents have to back off just a little bit, you know. I mean, we all think our kids are special, and that's not a problem. But, you know, and not some of them are special. <laughs> but, you know, not to the point to where everything has to revolve around you. And, and, and it's also interesting, too. Once you've gotten past a certain age and you've already considered being an adult after the age of 18 – you no longer have the right as a parent to call up, let's say, your child's employer or the university where your yep. child is going and saying, you know, Bobby just got a, a D. Well, Bobby hasn't been in class for a while. Maybe that's why he got a D. That's no longer well, your role. Well, hopefully you guided them and led them to a point where when you let them go that they know the right and wrong things. Sure. What's right and what's wrong. Absolutely. And all you can do is hope and pray that they learn from all your teachings to see what happens. But the thing is, is that if you're not going to have those kids who have those parents that are going to be involved like that, you still need a safety net to where they they still get pushed, 
you know, through the system with checks and balances that they have to. Um, well, we still need a village. That's where the village comes in. There's a lot of single moms out there, single dads out there. You know, it's almost like villages, churches, uh, the YMCA, Boys and Girls Club. There's all these other modalities that can be part of the village. Let's say that you know an, an older couple that that has grandkids and they're already grown that older couple can mentor people in the neighborhood. Exactly. So we need to get back to that village mentality because we've lost it. Well, we've become very uh, introspective and and caught up in our world and making more money so we can have more things. and, And that's all fine. There's a place for all of that. But there's still an involvement and a commitment in building your family up to a certain point. You know what I'm saying? And if 18 is, is that number in the United States in our culture, then you have to, to be proactive until he or she is at that age. The formative years are from zero anyhow, from birth to like nine. So you can at least commit to the first nine years and doing right by your kids. And you got to not be afraid to let them fail. Right. You know, I think that's one of the biggest problems that people, everybody gets a trophy. Mm-hmm. Go again with that one. Yeah, everybody gets a participation trophy. You know, nobody loses. Absolutely. You know, if they don't lose, they don't know what happens when they get eighteen, and they lose, they throw a fit, and they get fired. It's like, what happened? Right. I've never lost before. So. Exactly. It is. It's a very sad state of affairs, and you know. And then if you get these children who've been stroked, and they get through university, and then they get into a work environment, you know. And and I think somewhere too, these kids have also lost. You know, the whole purpose of as we go grow older and we go through the school system and then we go to the university or trade or whatever and we get a job is so that you're prepared to take care of yourself. And you start proactively looking for a job. I think it's a sad state of affairs that kids are going to college, they come back home, and they work part-time. You know, and so all of a sudden you wake up one day and then your kid's 32, you know. Still living at home. Exactly. You know, it, it's 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 sad. It's very sad. And it happens every day. Absolutely it does. So. All right. We're going to close this out. Make a short one. All righty. And we're going to move on to something else. It's going to be fun. All right. Well, appreciate everybody out there listening and we'll talk at you later. Bye-bye. All right. Have a nice evening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.